everyone, this is Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you another amazing episode. Uh, one that's been uh, a while coming because uh, the last episode, I think, with with uh, Rebecca Epstein went, uh, ooh, man, that was like two, three weeks ago, maybe? Something like that. Um, and, and the reason for that, if an excuse is what you so desire, is that I went to a conference for archivists, because that's what I do, and after that I got kind of sick for a while, like, uh, not so terrible sick that I had to, like, go to the hospital, but mostly the type of sick where you're just consistently sick and you just don't seem to be recovering kind of sick, so yeah, that's what happens when you get older, kids, it's just you don't recover as fast as you used to. Um, but uh, I'm just happy to be putting out another episode, and I can actually say that um, episodes 96 through 99 are basically um, not necessarily locked down, but I know who all the guests are, and it's lined up. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do for the 100th episode. I have an idea, but I'd have to run it by the person who I would want to have on. So we'll see. Uh, the 100th might be just a regular-ass episode that just happens to ha have a 100 on it. Or it could be something that's special to me. I don't know. If you have a suggestion for how I should do the 100th episode, please feel free to contact me at darling underscore Sammy uh, on Twitter. Uh, or you can go to the uh, Maniac... We used to be the Maniac Loop Geek, but now it's the just That Girl with the Curls podcast homepage on Facebook. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, this episode is uh, episode 96, uh, Sabina Khan Ibarra. She is a Muslim oh, there we go. She is a Muslim activist and uh, the curator and founder of Muslima Montage on the internets, which, uh, if you haven't already noticed, will be linked uh, here on the podcast. So I encourage you all to check it out. Uh, she's also provided me with a lot of um, you know people to follow links uh, if you are interested in learning more about Muslim culture. Uh, also, um, Muslim women uh, who are doing amazing things that you might not know about until you actually need to look for them. So I would encourage that. And uh, yeah, it was a really great conversation, and I hope to have her on again some someday. She's she's doing her uh, her doctorate basically or her PhD um, so, or maybe it was her master's. She's doing a degree of some sort. I apologize, Sabina. I should know what your degree is, but it's, you know, it's an intro. Uh, but, uh, I love talking with her. And again, she'll, she'll probably be on it some, some other time after her degree is completed, but it was a very fulfilling conversation, at least on my part, hopefully on hers as well. And, uh, yeah. And she calls me out on a couple of things, which I'm totally fine with because all I can do is learn at this point. I'm, you know, there's, there's, there are things I can do and there are things I can't do, but one of the things I can really do is learn, um, from very smart people such as Sabina Khan Ibarra, which is episode 96 of That Girl with the Curls. Fastening these hard times, leaving my rhymes, trying to envision a better picture, division divides, blinded by minuscule differences, go with fact over opinion, switching your conversation so you can so, how's everything going? Uh, things are well, I wish I had not looked at Twitter right before we started having this conversation. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. I, I, I haven't even been online. It's just so depressing. Yeah, no, I've been trying to, uh, like, in the last few days, like, try to avoid, like, really immersing myself in Twitter, but then it's like, oh, the first thing that shows up is always the worst, and then you're just like, well, I'm done. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But then you need to stay connected to know what's going on. But then it, you have to, I think it's finding a balance between self-care and, uh, you know, being aware. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to be totally unaware. Yeah, know? no, exactly. Like, I, I, I need to know what's happening in the world so that I don't look like a complete idiot when I'm talking to people. But yeah. <laughs> then you're like, but now yeah. I know things that I don't want to know anymore. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you didn't. Did I get a set of questions or not? No, 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 I never sent questions. Um, I, I, I try to keep it kind of loose. Uh, just, you know, we kind of go where the conversation takes us. I will definitely talk about, you know, the website and, and your work as an activist. And But we okay. can also leave it open to whatever tangents we, we may go on. Okay, sounds good. Good. And we'll probably keep it to a tight hour just because uh, just if you're getting ready for a wedding. And <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So starting from the beginning here, I, I'm, I'm already recording, so we're, we're good. Okay. Uh, Sabina uh, Kanibara, did I pronounce that right? All good? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'm always worried about that. We're like, okay, I've gotten things wrong before on the simplest of names, it seems. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, welcome formally to That Girl with the Curls. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, and basically, like, the, the origin story of this particular podcast is just, uh, we started following each other, you know, on Twitter, and it's, it just kind of went from there, like, you know, I followed you for a while before I asked, which I always feel weird about, where I'm like, I don't know if I should ask people on after a certain amount of time, or what the, the protocol is, but, um, I just really, I, I like talking to, to people who interest me and who have caught my attention, and you're <laughs> one of those people, so. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I try to just, this is the gushy part where I make you feel real good about yourself. You <laughs> cut me down, right? <laughs> yeah. Then the hard-hitting journalism starts. <laughs> Got all those gotcha questions for you. <laughs> you didn't see them, but I have them written down. Uh, <laughs> and, I'm ready. Excellent. Good. Uh, question one. Uh, what's your favorite part about summer now? <laughs> So. Um, uh, I don't have a favorite part. I'm kind of boring. <laughs> I, I myself do not care for summer because I'm a very pale person who lives in Washington State. So. Okay, yeah. You don't have a summer, basically. Yeah, okay. well, when we do get the sunshine, it's kind of like a vampire situation where you're like, natural light, no. <laughs> I live in the gloomy world of rain clouds, so. Is it like that, that one book based on that? Uh, the Twilight? Uh, yeah, was it in Washington? Yeah, it's set in Forks, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I can go with something, some connection there. The pale skin and rain. And yeah, no, I, I figure that's the only true part is that most Washingtonians just have really pale skin, and when the sun <laughs> shines on us, we sparkle. <laughs> so oh, nice. <laughs> only accurate descriptions. <laughs> they actually do tours in Forks of, like, yeah. from the places I think that they've filmed for the movie not that it's a thing we should be advertising but it's just stuff that i know <laughs> it's something you know about right yeah <laughs> again one of those things that i know and now i wish i didn't know so we'll just bring it all back there. <laughs> That's information that we some of it we don't want to know exactly. but we know um, and so I guess starting off here, um, I, you know, you, uh, are you, do you run the website, uh, Muslima Montage? Yes. Yeah, so, um, I started the website about two and a half years ago mm-hmm. and I run it and I had, uh, I have had in the past some admins helping me with, um, 
profiles. Mm-hmm. And what I've done is I've now moved it over to a, a larger website called Altmuslima. And mm-hmm. so the profiles are up there now, altmuslima.com. Okay, excellent. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll link all the stuff into the... Yeah. So, yeah, basically it's a, a website. Um, I started it, like, back in 2014 because um, I went online to basically find somebody to help me with um, certain projects I was working on, some writing projects, and I thought, you know, maybe I wonder if there's any Muslim women who have been trying to publish because the publishing world, as many of us know, is, like, predominantly white male. Mm-hmm. And I thought, is there any, you know, are there any Muslim women, uh, women of color that are, you know, I can get advice from? And it was really hard to find women online. And then I just started this website to, um, you know, basically give a platform to Muslim women who are doing great things and kind of give them a place to just tell um, their stories, who they are, what they have done, what they are doing. And, um, and after a while, I just started to notice that there was such a diverse uh, diversity amongst these women and they were all doing great things. And, um, and it, it kind of has become a resource for people who are looking for, um, you know, some sort of either, I don't want to say inspiration, but if they need some guidance or mentorship, you know, they can, there are some links at the bottom of each profile where you can connect to the um, individual women, and mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of become that. It's it's become a lot of different things, and um, it just it's still kind of growing into different things each day. You know. Mm-hmm. No, and and websites like that that uh, when you're kind of hip to them, like it's it's one of the things where you're like, I mean, and this is coming from a place of being a white woman, and you know, I. I can only speak so much to, you know, my experiences because as a white woman, I do have more privileges, you know, than I may think I do, but the system is rigged more in my favor in those ways. So when you see a website... It's refreshing to hear that. I'm glad that you you are able to acknowledge that. A lot of people don't acknowledge a privilege, and I have certain privileges over other women of color, you know, especially Mm -hmm. African-American women, but a lot of times we're... Because we don't know about it, we ignore it, or we don't acknowledge it because we somehow think that it diminishes our own struggle. Mm-hmm. And it's really refreshing that that we're in a time where people uh, are able to see what their own struggles are, but also acknowledge that there are people struggling a little more than we are. Yeah, no, and it's I, I've been a, a I've always been a huge proponent of representation in media um, with you know, with the comic books that I read or the television movies and everything um, and books uh, whatnot. I you know I've been trying to not only like get that word out there like as much as I can, but also like on Twitter I try to like amplify because after a while you're like I can't say anything else like these the the words are not mine to say anymore. You know, the the best yeah. I can do is yo, <laughs> like the the best that anyone in my position can do at this point is to just retweet and you know share what I can and uh, you know and again seeing something like Muslim Mont- montage is um, one of those things that I want to share more of because it's like there there are these women out here that are doing amazing things. And, you know, the level of notice that they're getting is anywhere from really low to really, you know, to high, depending on, you know, the kind of work that they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you been noticing more of these types of websites, like, popping up since you've done them, or? Um, you know, yes. So, uh, you know, I don't know if it's become, I'm because I'm more immersed in this world where I'm able to see these Muslim women, but it's, it's as if once I got into this, I've noticed that there's a lot more women that I didn't even know existed. There are more websites coming up, and I think 
you know, even in terms of representation, you see a lot more Muslim women or people who appear to be Muslim, visibly Muslim, like, you know, women who wearing the headscarf or hijab, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the media, even in ads, I think, was it Gap? I'm not sure. One of those, uh, you know, corporations, they've had Muslim women at the forefront in their ads. So it's like a lot of it, I, I would say within the last three years, um, there's been a lot more Muslim women um, uh, visible, visible, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the media and online. And I mean, I used to, I used to look for them, and now I think there's so much of it that if you just click Muslim women, it's no longer this montage, you know, uh, of women with uh, black, wearing black, all black, and faces covered. When you actually Google Muslim women, you see a diverse um, diversity in the images that pop up too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think as time goes by. There's a lot more awareness. Uh, people are more aware. Uh, there are more websites. It's 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 a different world, and it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, along with the bad that's coming along in this world and that's happening in, at this moment, I'd like to say that you know that is the good that's coming up. There's a lot more awareness and a lot more um, you know uh, it, there are a lot more positive images along with some of the negative that we hear and see about. Oh, for sure. Um, so prior to making the website, had you been uh, an activist or was this kind of just the, the thing that kind of got you started on that road? So I've always been, um, you know, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. So I've been like marching in, um, you know, marches uh, since I was a teenager, mm-hmm. uh, whether I was aware of it or not with my parents or um, a lot of times there were always there was like the rock war going on there were so many things and I would just kind of get dragged along with my parents and I would say that and then as I grew up then I became a poli-sci major and of course <laughs> that's you're an, an activist as soon as you become that mm-hmm. and so I was um you know I was all um when Obama was uh I was all for the vote what is it voter voter die I think yeah I was yeah that was <laughs> I was all um you know up in the neighborhoods knocking on the door so but then I guess that it evolved my my activism just evolved and grew in a way where it's more social media um, related because there was no social media back then yeah. so now like then I have kids so it works out I'm not able to go out as much so I'm able to at least amplify alert you know spread the word and then if there's petitions let people know that there's these petitions out there or these um you know, protests going on, and I'm kind of doing that kind of stuff more now, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, I went to the Women's March, I go to things I can go to where I get, like, you know, my husband to stay home and watch the kids, and <laughs> I'll just go, um, and he's, like, totally for it, so it's like, yeah, go, have fun, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, so, I mean, I guess I've always been into it, and just social media has kind of changed how I do it. Yeah, I, I, can you can you speak to that? Like, how how has social media, you know, uh, helped or even you know, in some ways, been detrimental to you know your work? You know, because everyone has an experience with social media at some point, especially women, especially women of yeah. color. You know, it's you know, it, you take the good, but you get a really harsh response on the bad end. Yeah, I mean, the good is that it's definitely like there was this one show that was coming on, I think, on NBC called Alice in Arabia, which was written by a show about a woman named Alice who had been in Arabia, and it was, like, very Orientalist, like, if you actually read the uh, description, and it was written by a white woman who had lived in um, one of, I'm not sure which part of uh, Arabia was maybe UAE, but for a little while that she based uh, the story on it, and there was a big uproar on social media, and because of social media activism, 
um, they canceled the show. Mm -hmm. So that was great. But then, and then there's a lot of, I I would say there's a lot of stories like that. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of things that go on um, online and they go viral and they uh, change the outcome of things that are happening. Mm -hmm. What I would say is the negative aspect is like a lot of times, there's lots of negatives and there's lots of positives, but I guess the negative that I want to speak to is like, um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of people um, think that social media activism is not really activism. They call it clicktivism or mm. armchair activism. And I think that there may be some truth to it. There, are, there, and I. But I think those people who do clicktivism and they just click without reading the actual article, um, they play their role in this activism. There's a, you know, there are activists who actually know and they organize these um, either events or these tweets or these hashtags that go viral, it's actually a well-thought-out, orchestrated hashtag Mm -hmm. uh, event that people plan. Like, Alice in Arabia was planned, we all planned it, and it went viral. Um, And then there's people who just sit there and retweet, and I don't think that's necessarily bad. But I think when people give it that negative connotation, then suddenly people want to distance themselves from that. I don't want to be a clicktivist, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But but I think that's... uh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Okay. Um, I, that is just as important. Yeah, there's there's definitely, especially when you say something, when people label it like clicktivism, you know, it's this uh, trying to diminish the impact of something by, you know, give it, I mean, it's, it's the same way, like trying to use feminism against women in general. I mean, I know that there's also the, you know, the white feminism aspect to it where uh, a lot of people are like, if you're not including everyone, then it's white feminism, you know? Um, so yeah, to, to see those, those kinds of words being used against, you know, the, the good work that people are doing and you just, I mean, I guess, what does your frustration level reach at certain points with this stuff? Yeah, it is really frustrating because it's suddenly, um, cause I wrote this article on, um, uh, that uh, about social media activism and um, it basically got a lot of good feedback but then there were a lot of people you know never read the comments but when you do <laughs> read the comments there's a lot like you know of course you know you're just sitting on your butt and just clicking and that's your activism or you know you get there's like a lot of different uh, uh, comments that you'll read so it's just trying to work and then trying to develop thick skin and realize that people while there, that's the thing about internet, you have this access to amplify and do good work, but then there's also this aspect to it where trolls can go behind, you know, be um, anonymous and tell you whatever they want and basically try to rip you apart and you just have to learn to uh, ignore it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just learning to, it's really hard because I don't think I've ever learned, but <laughs> try to ignore that. No, I've, I've always been kind of a... I was very thin-skinned as a child, and I feel like the the it got a little thicker as I've gotten older. But it's never quite. It's still some. There's some brittleness here and there. <laughs> and it can be really ugly. People say the meanest things. I mean, I've had I've had to go offline on Twitter, especially. I think Twitter is one of those mediums where people are brutal, and there's like an egg and no face. You know, I, you know, if you're on t- Twitter, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And there's these eggs who are like saying things like, I'll have eggs I, that I presume are Muslim who are saying things like, does your father know you're online? I'm like, I'm in my 30s. I don't think my father cares what I'm doing. <laughs> or, uh, you know, or does your husband, you, your husband should control you. And I'm presuming, again, these are Muslim men. Or or it could be, again, some white supremacists who assume that I'm being controlled by a male. So mm-hmm. it's all these, like, negative, uh, you know, things going on and then trying to just 
I don't know. So they turn off for a while. Mm-hmm. You do your work without the internet, and then come back on when you say I don't care anymore, and you've developed a thicker skin, or or you know you just delete those messages so you don't have to see them, and you move on. Yeah. No. I. I, I think the harshest I got was I was talking about cartoons, like, which I like to do. I like to talk about, you know, again, representation media, but then also like how women are treated in, in particular, like comic books and cartoons and whatnot. And I was talking about like the DC comics universe of cartoons, which, you know, uh, and this one guy really just went after me because I didn't label it correctly. Like <laughs> he was like, it's the, some people are so specific, like it's so, it's the minutia and then yeah. others are so broad in general where you're just like, could you guys pick a strategy? Cause that at least give me something to, to go up against. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's difficult. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, you know, Twitter is a great medium, but then, yeah, I, I don't know if there's ever going to be a way that, that we can figure out a way to actually keep the trolls away, but then you don't want to, limit I don't it's just it's something I've been thinking about but I just don't know and I don't have the capability to think of a way to you know keep anyone who's anonymous from making a a comment but then you also get it because there's times that I wish I was anonymous for my own safety so Mm -hmm. I mean I don't know it's it's a very complicated world it's yeah when I was in graduate school I um, went to school to be an archivist and uh, so social media and like archiving social media was one of the big things at that point. Yeah. We were looking at Facebook and looking at Twitter and just being like, well, what do, what do we do about this? Like, how do we preserve something that is going to be irrelevant in minutes or seconds or, yeah. you know, what's the long-term effect of, you know, archiving a hashtag basically. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like, I, I think the last thing I wrote, for so the Society of American Archivists has this um, issues and advocacy blog, and I wrote a couple of um, blog posts for them. One was about the lie of neutrality because archives can yeah. are not neutral. It's they've never been neutral. They just like to claim they are. Yeah, um, it's like the same with libraries. Like you guys, like yeah. we're we we can't just go out there and be like, no, 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 we're passive. We're not active about this at all. It's like that's that's a decision, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. and it's kind of a living document in some ways too, don't mm-hmm. you think? Yeah, you know, there's constantly things being added to it. I mean, it's really almost impossible to keep up. I mean, not not that it is impossible, but it's just requires a lot of work. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like yeah. The last couple of conferences I've gone to, it's like it's it's always been like not only like how do we how do we archive it, how do we contextualize it, how do yeah. we um, migrate it when the technology gets beyond what we're capable of, of reading with at this point. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. It's like, and then when the world burns down, like, then what are we going to do? I mean, like, just me sitting there writing our tweets on the walls again. So. <laughs> we're, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of people that are just like, well, you can't live on the internet. There, you know, there was life before the internet. And then, I don't know, sometimes it bothers me. I'm like, you're right. But then I'll watch some old uh, TV show or read an old book and, and somebody's saying the same thing about books or somebody's saying the same thing about TV, you know, get your nose out of the book, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you shouldn't, you're, you're, you know, you should be talking to us instead of reading. And it's, it's, you know, to me, it's just, it, this is our version. And if it goes away, it goes away and we'll have to relearn life without it. But right <laughs> now it's great. And 
we should use it and run with it and do what we can, good we can. I mean, if there's going to be people up, out there using it for bad, we, you know, whoever, you know, activists should take it and use it uh, to bring awareness and, like you said, amplify the voices are usually um, not heard. It's basically democratize the platform, so. Oh, for sure, yeah. So definitely, definitely positive aspects. Yeah, the... Yeah, and the the whole yeah democratization of the internet, and then also you know the idea like yeah there was life before the internet, but what was that life like? Like what was your opinion of the world? Like what relationship did you have with anything outside of whatever bubble you had built for yourself? Um, yeah, and whose voices were being being amplified, and whose voices did we hear? It was basically predominantly white male. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. that's the voices we heard, and we we saw that as the the norm and as what we needed to aspire to, I, I believe, you know, until we realized, wait, that's just, you know, what, what's being filtered and given to us. And so yeah. it, it's definitely changed a lot and changed a lot. And I'm, I'm almost 40. And for me, it's like, uh, it's changed the way I think about things and think of the, uh, things that I had never thought about before. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like I wish I'd known these things 20 years ago, but mm-hmm. I'm, you know, at least I know it now. No, yeah, exactly. Like you can, you can spend a lot of time regretting the things that you you weren't active about before. But then it's just like, what does that do to twenty year old you? I mean, what's that? What the lesson is learned through the experience, right? So you've experienced it now and <laughs> get to go forward and yeah. do good things. <laughs> so how does how does that reflect on um, uh, you, with your children? You know, how do you, do they do they know what mommy does? Like, do they are they active uh, along with you? Yes, so um, when I went to the Women's March and I was wearing pink and I had my daughter wear pink and I had my son, you know, uh, he I, he doesn't, I, you know, I'm such a feminist, but he's still like, you know, I don't like pink and I'm constantly telling him, you know, it's okay, but he, he was even, mommy's going to go on the Women's March and everybody was, you know, supporting me. So they know, and mo- they know mommy's writing, I'm, I'm always writing, mm-hmm. and, you know, articles, or now I'm in the MFA program, so they know I'm writing, and what I love is like, they're, they're so little, one is four and one is five, and so, but they still get that I'm doing something, and, um, and because I always tell them that every little thing we do is important and matters in the big picture, like, you know, how we treat animals, how, you know, whatever we do, I feel like they, they are learning that every little thing they do that I do is, is being done for something bigger than us and themselves, Mm -hmm. and I hope that that, that continues. No that's, no, that's great. And uh, just between you and me for your son, like, you can just let him know pink was a masculine color for the longest time, so. <laughs> and my father loves pink, so it's just, it doesn't make any sense, but I, it's the TV, I think, that he watches that I'm just like, uh, Oh, I've, I've had this conversation with so many people before about uh, when, so the when I was growing up and the cartoons you would watch, the, you know, you have the, like, your Voltrons and your, you know, your five-man band kind of thing, so, and there's the four dudes and the one girl. The girl's always wearing pink. <laughs> and I mean, like, they have this thing called uh, Paw Patrol, and the girl is wearing pink, and she flies around, and everybody else is wearing blue and, and red. And it's just like, you know, it's the same thing. Like, I watched this Ellen, and she did, like, this spoof about Vic, the pink pen. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's funny, because when it's suddenly something is a woman thing, and I love pink, I'm wearing pink right now. Mm-hmm. But still, it's just like, that just becomes the woman, the woman thing, and that's the man, man thing. So it's constantly, because I don't, actually don't, like, I'm constantly trying to teach my kids that 
because I don't want to sexualize them at a young age. So I'm totally not into any of that stuff. Like, you know, this and that, this is that, um, you know, gender. But yeah, I, I feel like there's certain things that they get from the outside world that I can only filter so much. So yeah, it's just constant struggle. My, uh, my sister, myself and my mother are all cohabitating and my sister has a, a baby, uh, my nephew who's nine months old. Yeah, and he's adorable. Uh, but it's it's one of those things where, you know, I start thinking about that stuff. Like, as he gets older, you know, he's going to have questions, or it's just like, do you broach the subject with him first? Do you, I mean, I mean, because kids, when they're not, like, indoctrinated with a lot of stuff, just kind of naturally gravitate towards just being decent people, yeah. you know, for the most part. I mean, there could be some really terrible children out there. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't want to know about those. Yeah, I know. Things. But even, <laughs> but even like um, the other day, my mom, we had bought him a, a baby doll that was, it had like pink and, and purples on it, but my mom was playing with it with him and, uh, and she goes, what's his name? What's his name? And I was like, did you just default male like that, that baby? <laughs> and she's like, why shouldn't I? I was like, no. <laughs> but at least it was wearing pink, so, you know. I, yeah, I guess if we, if, if he's wearing pink and we call it a he, then okay, well, okay, that one works. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it looked mostly like a girl, I, I guess. And then you get into the whole non-binary thing. <laughs> it's, it's really complicated. And it's just, uh, there's certain subjects that I just haven't talked to my kids about because I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like pretending like I know what I'm talking about might be more detrimental than, um, you know, just kind of uh, being honest and saying, mommy doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's figure this out together. And that's, that's where we're at. But they haven't asked any of those questions yet. So I'm good. So yeah. As soon as these come up, then I'll have to probably Google how do we talk to your, how do you talk to your kids about X, Y, and Z. By that point, they'll probably have like full like you know uh, college courses on it where you can just like look up yeah. PowerPoint presentations. Seriously, yeah. I mean, if, if the world doesn't fall apart before then, sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if we're doing the tweets on the walls thing, it might be a different yeah. situation. I know. I'm like, I don't know about that. You know. There's every day you wake up to some new news and you don't know what that means. Yeah. You try not to be depressed, but then you, you know, it's like, I wonder, and this sounds terrible, but I wonder if it was a good idea for me to have kids. Like mm. I, I, sometimes I hear the news and I'm like, why did I want to have kids again? Like how, I wanted to put them in this world for what reason? Yeah. And it's just, it's really, it's really hard for me to go through that emotion and then try to find the positive and the hope and, you know, and, and realize that, okay, I'm going to resist and, and we're going to persevere and everything will be all right. But it's really hard. No, it's, yeah, as a, as a history major, like when you, you look back at all the cycles that the, you know, the United States or the world has gone through and, and it's like, Trump isn't necessarily an anomaly, but he is the most extreme example of the current state you know, and everyone who's living in the current state always kind of views it from, I mean, you're reviewing it from the inside. So you're just like, this is the worst. This is my God is like, but also you're looking at it from a social media uh, perspective too, where it's just constant stream of uh, awfulness sometimes. (laughs) Um, I mean, a lot of the white supremacists have found their way online and, um, and which wasn't the case, I would say a few years ago, but I feel like they, that's where they're the strongest now. Um, I think a lot of the protests were canceled this weekend, mm-hmm. and they're back to being on social media and online, and you know, basically terrorizing all of us online. So that's that's why it's just uh, 
that's why I try to stay away from social media, but it's also the best place for me to find the most authentic and the newest news. Mm -hmm. So it's just trying to filter the negative and trying to find the truth is just... Yeah, that's another struggle. Yeah, like, definitely when they, when, you know, you hear about them, like, oh, they're not going to do any of those, like, 67 protests or whatever. It's like, it's all going to be online now. It's like, oh, that might actually be worse. Like, the, when they're in a yeah. physical space, you can actually confront them and, and show them the numbers. Um, whereas if they're just, like, uh, zeros and ones, basically, it's, uh, yeah, no, I can, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. But on a positive note, you know. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's positive, but like you said, it's not like he he came out of nowhere. He was it was I mean, it was an eventual thing that was bound to happen. He just gave these hateful people, uh, uh, you know, gave them uh, he emboldened them. He gave them a platform. And and now we're just suffering and until, you know, they shut up again and hopefully go away. Mm. Um, You know, but I don't know. Is it is it? Sometimes I wonder, is it better that they're being vocal so we can at least see them? Mm-hmm. Or it was. It's kind of scary to know that they've always been around, and we, you know, some of us were aware of it, but we just didn't know where they were, and now we're seeing where they are. And that's kind of scary that they were there the whole time. Yeah, no, like the the undercurrents of like just. I mean, uh, did you ever see uh, Ava DuVernay's Thirteenth? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. What? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. You just come out of that. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> Just, yeah, it's frightening. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the devastation. I mean, just the devastation of knowing what happened when, like, first of all, before you were born, but then also the things that are happening that you close your eyes to, that you don't want to see, therefore you don't see it um, until it's right there on your television screen. I mean, the same is true of like when television like went into the Vietnam War, uh, when people got to see it for the first time, and you know all. I mean, again, it's like these cycles where we we think that oh, this is such an innocuous thing. Nope, turns out it's the worst thing ever. So you just now you're aware of it. Exactly. I like I have some friends, um, so uh, or some relatives who are actually white, and they'll say something like, "Well, you know, he's uh, he's giving a voice to those people who want America to be great again. He wants them. To, uh, you know, these people just want to go back to the '50s when things were wonderful." And I I just look at them like they were wonderful for you mm-hmm. or people who look like you or for your uncle and your father, but not for, you know, the African-American, not for, you know, there was things happening to the Japanese, the Chinese, the indigenous population who've been ignored, you know, and silenced. We barely hear about them and see them. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's this false idea that America was ever great. And I think it's scary to a lot of people who are even seemingly harmless. You know, they, they, they mean well, and they're still, they want, don't really like, you know, Trump, but they're, they're so unaware that there was something always wrong with the system mm-hmm. that it's just hard for them to hear it from like people uh, who are talking about it. Like me, I'm, I'm, I, I'm one of those annoying people when you're just having a wonderful conversation and you just say, you know, oh, we want America to be great again, and I, I don't just go, okay. I'm like, <laughs> no, actually, America was never great, and and I can feel like people that you hear me. <laughs> Have constantly have to hear me tense up, and I'm like, but I have to say this because it's never been great, and you know, it's just this uh, false idea you have that mm-hmm. we were great at once. We, we, you know, we've been, you know, we've been using and hurting people or uh, marginalizing people, oppressing people, and it's time that we acknowledge what we've done, acknowledge our privilege, and start working with those to, um, who are marginalized to uh, amplify their voices, and you know, just. 
fix what's wrong because I think it has to be done with all of us on the same page, changes structurally, because otherwise it's just going to get covered up again and another version of this is going to happen again. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's, yeah. it's the way that it has to go because if it doesn't, then we're just, we're back at square one again. We're back at the same spot that we were and, and no one's better for it, you know, if, if we go back to where it was. And, and I agree, the whole, you know, make America great again, it's like, it's this because uh, again, child of a postmodernist theory now, uh, where you're like the narrative is is what led you to that point. Like everyone fed you a story and you believed it because everyone kept telling you about it and the school book said it and all this. I mean, it's just it's it's all about indoctrination. It's all about the the myth of American exceptionalism. And... Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you, you know, what's funny is uh, we all went through the school system where we learned about Columbus and we celebrate Columbus Day. And I was just so, you know, uh, I'm my parents are immigrants. So I came and I would just celebrate it thinking, wow, he was just so cool. And, mm-hmm. you know, the natives were so nice to him. And then I think as I grew older, I was like, well, if the natives were nice to him, where did the natives go? Like, yeah. <laughs> like if they were nice to him and they welcomed him, where did they all go? And then I realized as I think I hit fifth grade and we learned about the missions and I think I had a pretty cool teacher who kind of told us what the real story and I was just mm-hmm. devastated and I was like, I hate Columbus and he was never a nice guy and I hate that I had to celebrate him. You no, know? it's, yeah, like, uh, my friends and I would, would kind of, back in college, we, like, Columbus Day would roll around and we're like, oh, you mean the guy who didn't actually ever discover America and just went to the West Indies and just killed a bunch of people? Yeah, that guy, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah. So, yeah, it's, I don't know, I think that the hopeful side of me thinks that by doing what we're doing, by doing what you're doing, these podcasts and, you know, everybody doing their little parts, we're going to get to a place where we can start all over, fix everything, hopefully, and by the time our kids grow up, they're they're more aware and things have changed structurally, you know, so that's my hope, Uh, and Otherwise, it's, if I don't have that hope, it's just like I'm, I'm like I don't want to get up in the morning. I'm just thinking all these negative thoughts and yeah, they're just thinking nuclear bomb. And I, <laughs> oh I was okay with my husband. You know, as soon as uh, he was talking about North Korea, I was like, gosh, you know, we're on we're at the you know near the Golden Gate Bridge, and I bet that's the first place he's gonna you know North Korea is gonna bomb. And I was like, oh my god, because <laughs> I was like, calm down, okay. <laughs> breath that's not gonna happen and I was like okay he's like you know let's let's not do this in front of the kids because uh, I think like I started freaking out in front of them and I realized mm-hmm. my kids are just staring at me like what and I was like okay nothing's going on then you just Every- stop and you pause and you're like haha mommy's just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I like they're really intelligent they always know that you know uh, that there is something because when Trump won my son came to me and he said but I thought bad guys don't win because oh. we had talked about, uh, you know, how Trump was, uh, you know, the Muslim ban. I mean, my kid, son's five, but we've talked about these things. And so he knew that Trump was, you know, quote unquote, the bad guy. So mm-hmm. for him, we, we kind of had an idea he may win. But when he when my son woke up in the morning and he said, who won? And I said, Trump, he's like, but he's a bad guy. Bad guys are not supposed to win. It was just such a difficult conversation to have. Mm-hmm. To It was kind of a learning moment, like sometimes you know, bad guys do win, yeah. and what we have to do is now work really hard to make sure that he doesn't do anything while he's in office, and that he doesn't win again. Yeah, exactly. And so, it's just, yeah, it's just... That's it's that's just, a devastating comment, like, just the bad guys are oh, that just so devastating. hits you where you live, I mean... Yeah, 
because uh, yeah I mean it's because he's so little and he said something so profound and I was like you're right I can't believe a bad guy won. yeah you just want to like yeah. take that quote put it on a plaque and be like right there like we're just living by that one yeah. <laughs> no I was I was in Baltimore when he won I was there working on a project for my work and the elevator ride I think up to my hotel room after I, the whole day of just being depressed and in this warehouse like going through archival documents and everything this one dude wow. this, this white guy was just kind of standing in there and I must have I mean I probably had a terrible face on at that point <laughs> I was just tired and weary and he's like how's your day going and I just I mean normally I'm really civil to people I try to you know you just have the veneer of being a pretty okay person and I just couldn't even I was like how do you think? <laughs> oh my gosh, no. It's probably the most surly I've ever been in public since I was a kid. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are like that out here in California. People are just like zombies, you know, <laughs> just walking. Like they couldn't believe it. And and I think that's it's so true, especially of you know the coastal states. I mean, like Washington and to you know, well, and with Washington, it's like one huge county that carries it because. That was that was the big thing. That was my big learning curve was when I was in college, I was helping a friend do um, kind of door to doors for the local representative for that for the county of our, our college and it, which is Whatcom County. So it's up near the Canadian border. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we were going around and, and we're going to this college. It's considered one of the most liberal colleges in the school in, in the state. Um, and so we're going to these houses and they're all Republican. They're all red. And it's like in this the town I was in, Bellingham, is just this little liberal pocket in the midst of this huge red area. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. It's it's really in, yeah because if if you look at a map of Washington, anytime the huge elections are, King County, which is the biggest county like in terms of population, always carries the state, uh, carries it blue. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That. that's interesting yeah so it's it's you walk around kind of in this perceived idea that oh washington state's so liberal and blah 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 and, definitely that's what we believe down here yeah and and california i i, I mean because you're in you're in berkeley correct no now i'm in half one bay there we go okay so, yeah so it's still the coast yeah yeah so i mean i mean is it is it similar in california or is it most is it more blue than it is red at times or i mean do you pay attention to those things <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we do pay attention. So the end of the Bible Belt is here in California in Modesto, Central Valley. Mm-hmm. So when you drive out of the, from the coast inland and maybe south or even north, the more inland you go, you'll see, like, crosses and you'll see a lot of, uh, you know, it's a lot of red and a lot of, uh, it's it's very different agriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not necessarily the agriculture is red, but it's, it's just a very different, you know, it's the end of the Bible Belt and it's very obvious, um, you know, especially as a person of color, and my family, my mother, um, you know, dresses in traditional clothing, um, you know, and wears a headscarf. Mm-hmm. We like. There's been times where we'll get off at the gas station, and um, and this is before uh, Trump. This mm-hmm. has been our whole lives, um, and she's gotten comments like "Go back to your country" uh, yeah. and, or other things uh, said to her. As soon as we, you know go over the hills, the Pleasanton Hills, they're over here. Mm-hmm. It's just totally different. So, I mean, we haven't been there for a while. It's kind of scary to go there right now. Yeah. I, I mean, it's perceived scary for me. I don't know if anything's actually happened there, but I just don't want to go there. Right it's now. kind of just airy. Just in my little bubble in the Bay Area. Yeah. 
That's right. <laughs> just err on the side of caution and be like, let's just not for a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised at some of the, the bumper, bumper stickers in Half Moon Bay, too. Like, you know, you'll see Trump, you'll see uh, a lot of these uh, big trucks with the flags, you know, very obviously. Uh, so, I mean, they're here, too. It's mm-hmm. just, but predominantly, it's, it's, you know, a bunch of hippies and liberal <laughs> surfers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the hippies are okay. They're just getting high the whole time. They don't care about anything. No, and they're they're nice. They're good people. Okay. <laughs> With a good heart. No, I had like a really good conversation with the uh, Seattle chapter of the Church of Satan one time. Like they were, I mean, they've been out. Like uh, I think the the wit the Wiccans have been trying to hex him uh, repeatedly, uh, from what I've been told. And I I know a couple of people who have like tried to do that. Um, oh, well. And then I've talked to some of the Seattle chapter Satanists just at some, certain marches and gatherings and everything and just being like, so what's it like for you guys right now? <laughs> They're awesome. You know, when uh, San Bernardino happened, mm-hmm. they tweeted out an, a huge thing saying, Muslims, if you need any place, if you need some support and, you know, you feel threatened, we're here for you. And <laughs> I was just like, what does this say, you know, about the the world and how people perceive, you know, certain uh, factions and certain people, like they are the most welcoming and open <laughs> online that I see right now. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, Church of Satan. Wow. These guys are okay. <laughs> I retweeted the heck out of that one. <laughs> oh. like, they seem like nice people. And I've, I've told my father this and my dad's kind of a, not so much now, but he used to be like a really big old neo-Christian, which was hell when I was a teenager. It just, <laughs> oh, when you're a lapsed Catholic, like confronting a, a neo Christian, it's just kind of like, really? Okay. <laughs> but then you tell him, like, I talked to a bunch of Satanists, and he's just like, what? like, and then his head explodes. And <laughs> yeah, my mother in law's a Catholic. Um, she's a Roman Catholic. And so I was telling her about this, and she was just like, she had to, like, uh, but she's pretty cool because she's still a liberal from California. So mm-hmm. what happened is, like, there's a part of her that really wanted to hate what they were doing, but yeah. then there's a part of it that was just like, wow, that was really kind of them. And I said, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was very Christian of them, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Turns out Satanists are pretty okay. <laughs> yeah, it was like, pretty cool. You heard it here first on that girl, the girl Satanists are okay. <laughs> No, it's, it, yeah, especially with things, you know, dealing with religion, like, because my moms uh, were, I mean, I was born into the Catholic faith and everything, but, uh, like, I got to the point where I took, like, First Communion and Confession, and then after that I was like, no, nah, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> like, you know, when you're 10 years old and you're just kind of like, nah, this isn't for me. I don't, I don't feel like that. <laughs> pretty young. <laughs> I, I was one of those annoyingly uh, precocious children in catechism school. Uh, I think I asked our priest right before uh, you know, he was coming in and talking to us about, okay, this is what's going to go down for your first communion, first confession, all that stuff. And he's like, okay, any other questions? And I was just coming off of a geography B in school and uh, asked him if he could name the continents in order from smallest to largest. <laughs> because wow. he, he didn't specify it had to be an ecclesiastical question. I can imagine my son doing something like that. There you go. <laughs> I think your son and I might get along really well. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, so that that if that gives you any kind of insight as to who I was as a person back then. <laughs> yeah, that's actually. <laughs> Things have not really changed that much since. Yeah. So. And then you started this podcast, right? Yeah, and then I, when I was 12, I started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and actually in that vein, you know, um, 
and I, I assume you're a practicing Muslim. Um, so what is, how has that changed from when, because uh, your parents are the immigrants, were you born in California? No, so first of all, I want to uh, kind of uh, define practicing because I think practicing means different things to different people, Definitely, including yeah. Muslims. Like for some of us, it's uh, praying five times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, wearing the headscarf is practicing. So to a lot of people, because I don't wear a headscarf, automatically I'm not practicing. Okay. But in other ways, like if, you know, there's also this aspect of uh, taking care of your fellow, uh, you know, human being. So practicing, again, is very... It's a, it's uh, a much more nuanced idea. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, but what I would say is the reason I would consider myself practicing is I do believe in one God, and I do believe that the Prophet Muhammad was the last messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I think how religious... Uh, quote unquote, um, I how I define religion has changed. I think when I was younger, I was one of those people who thought if you didn't pray five times a day and you didn't wear a headscarf, you were not religious. Mm-hmm. That has changed over time, and I think life experiences, age, uh, just seeing people um, on all sides uh, made me realize that God is bigger than my little idea of what God was and what uh, and who goes to heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Um, is you know there's this thing at this saying uh, that if you tell another person that they they're going to hell, one of you is going to hell, and so that means you know yeah. if, if if that person's not going to hell, then you are just for judging him. Mm-hmm. So like or her. So it's just made me think that um, think twice about judging other people, and even if they're doing you know uh, committing a sin in front of me. So it's it's really humbled me in some ways, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I've become less judgmental. I, I think I, ju- I don't judge anyone anymore. Maybe it's uh, kind of problematic for a lot of people because <laughs> then they'll, you know, oh, well, now you have no uh, boundaries. But it's just, I, I don't see any benefit in having those boundaries if it's all you do is look down your nose at other people and close off and not be able to see the world for what it is and not be able to accept the world for what it is. So... That's my long-winded explanation of why I don't, I'm not sure if I like the word practicing or religious. Or, oh, for sure. But I consider myself a Muslim. Yeah, um, no, and it's, I mean, it's definitely, um, you know, when I when I look back on the years that I was trying to figure out what religion actually meant to me, you know, like, how where did it stand in my life? Like, my grandmother was uber-Catholic, just, you know, up to up to the point of her death. Like, you know, rosary, we have, we had a, a friend of the family who was an honest-to-God Irish priest, so he would... <laughs> Uh, and, and a wonderful man, a beautiful man. He was the guy who married my parents. He baptized my sister and I like, but then as, as you get older and experiences start shaping who you are in, you know, you're looking at like, it's especially with Catholicism because it's so very, you know, fire and brimstone. And, you know, if you don't do this then automatic hell, you know, for you, which isn't a great way to grow up sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how that benefits any of us to, to give these, um, yeah, because there is, there is even within Islam, I mean, all uh, Abrahamic faiths have similar, uh, a similar God and a similar, I think, hell. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, there, you know, I think that even as a kid and from what I'm hearing from you is like, we gravitate towards a more loving God. I mean, if, if you feel like you disappointed God by stepping on an ant, it, you're more likely not to step on an ant if uh, you know, versus if somebody tells me you're, you're going to go to hell if you do this. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you because, I mean, for me especially, that, that was one of the things that I realized as I grew up, that for me, having a compassionate God and a loving God 
was more important. And, um, you know, even the words that we say before we start anything is Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim, in the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the merciful. I mean, that's what we start everything with. And yet what we focus on is God's wrath, mm-hmm. God's anger, God's punishment. And just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. And that, so I choose to, to focus on God's uh, mercy and love. Yeah. And it's changed how I, I behave as a human. And I think it's made me a better human and better Muslim. Uh, for in my opinion, I mean, yeah, and, no, it's I, yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where like I I fell out of of really going to church, you know, because it, to me it wasn't as important of a thing to do. It was, you know, why do I have to go to this one place once a week to yeah. prove anything? Yeah. I'm just being as good of a person as I possibly can, and if there's an omnipotent being who you know ostensibly sees that, then they probably know that I'm not in it. If I'm in you know if I'm in church, I'm probably just lip service or yeah, you know. That you're fin- yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, why did you even bother? It's like, I don't know. They told me to. <laughs> I didn't want to disappoint mom or dad. Basically. Yeah. And then, yeah, because my father and I, that it, a lot of that defined my teenage years was us going up against each other over this idea of like what was our, you know, what religion was to the both of us. Like both of us still figuring it out, but also yeah. so stubborn that we couldn't kind of step back and go, okay, hey, let's just take a breath and agree mm-hmm. to disagree for right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I, I think with age comes a lot of acceptance, uh, and so like, even if I do see people who, who practice more, uh, a more strict version of Islam, I, I I think maybe five years ago I didn't have space for them, mm-hmm. but I've learned that no, even they have their space and they are, that's okay, that's the way that they perceive God and that's the way that they um, believe that they're closer to God, you know, mm-hmm. by covering or by doing this or that, you know, so it's. I, I just maybe it is age and just seeing things and just after a while you just don't care and you just want to be okay and you just want to live a good life and it's like you don't have the energy for that kind of like anger for for certain things anymore like I I, I don't get angry over the things I used to like even five years ago or ten years it's, it's just like I don't I have other things to worry about I have other people in my life that need more attention than your thing over here <laughs> so. we just want to get on a rocking chair and watch sunsets and on lemonade. Oh my god, that sounds like the most amazing thing right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, everybody get out there on your porch with some lemonade. <laughs> I know. It's, it's almost uh, sundown here, so. Oh yeah, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> what sun we have gotten today has decided to uh, grace us with its presence for a little bit, so. Cool. <laughs> so again, going back to what we talked about earlier, vampire, <laughs> you know, ah, uh, oh no. <laughs> Um, my sister hates it because, well, not the sun, but she, she hates the gloom and doom, uh, of the clouds and everything, so whenever there's sunshine, like, she practically, like, jumps out into the yard and, like, gets, like, tries to get tanned or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think Bay is kind of cloudy, too, uh, and, you know, compared to the rest of California, but mm-hmm. even global warming has made it really sunny here, too, a lot of the time. So the good aspect of global warming? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of scary. Yeah, My husband I grew up in Half Moon Bay, so he's like, I miss the fog. And I'm like, I'm cool like this. You know, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, my sister moved to San Francisco for probably about six months or something like that. And, and she was like, she was surprised by how cold it actually was because of the fog. <laughs> yeah, it's cold. It, it is. And it can get gloomy here, too. <laughs> so it, it should have been, like, really, you know... Um, homey to her then but uh yeah, definitely. i guess when you're trying to get away from it <laughs> what just i wanted a change exactly and just the same thing. <laughs> I, 
Yeah, I have a friend who's in Ireland right now, and, and I've been told by many people I would probably really love Ireland because it's very much like Washington State and wow. green and rainy. <laughs> I know. I wanted to go to um, England, but uh, I haven't had a... I used to live in England, in oh. northern England, but I want, wanted to go to London with my family, but it's just, you know, with kids' school and just traveling as the Muslim, and then I have a Spanish last name. I just didn't want to go through all the issues of traveling in and out of the country with kids and even you know it's not that I think I'll be detained but any time that it's just going to be extra time with the TSA with the kids is just too much for me to think about right now yeah I mean mean, did you when the Muslim ban was put in the first round that shit show that happened you know where what I mean I don't even know how to ask this question but it's just like just what was it like for you I mean you know in, in your community so um, my parents are from Pakistan, so it's not. It didn't uh, directly affect us, uh, but I think that it had Muslim ban had a second, uh, you know, group of countries. Pakistan would be in it, but how it affected us was like I actually did have tickets to um, England, and then I was going to go to France, and I canceled the tickets and lost almost three thousand dollars oh, because the Muslim ban came in, and then I just my husband was like, "Well, they're not going to." you know, kick us out of the country, we're citizens, and I said, it's just, I don't want to go through that with the kids, you know, and they're going to be screaming, my kids are young, mm-hmm. they were four and three at the time, and um, so, and then it's just, we had a lot of uh, people who were from, uh, their family were from the countries uh, that were banned within the communities, and, but it was pretty well organized in the Bay Area, a lot of people went out to SFO, they protested, it was, uh, it was a really beautiful to see a lot of allies come out and uh, protest the whole thing. It, it's just, I think it's disappointing because the ban doesn't represent, you know, because the outside world sees the ban as something all of America wants, mm-hmm. and it's not what all of America wants. It's not what all of us want, and it's just trying to, I don't know, just trying to move past all that and, you know, trying to figure out how we get how we get we got to this place yeah uh, so it's just it's just a lot of things going on and hoping that it doesn't get worse um and wondering what getting worse means yeah you know? no at this point you're just kind of like what could have we hit rock bottom turns out no um yeah. like where is rock bottom <laughs> yeah. and every day there's something else that happens you're like oh my god this is bad oh my god like charlottesville happened like it was like north korea happened one week and then you're just like kind of like oh my god this is scary and then charlotte charlottesville happened and and you know with the that guy plowing through the crowd Mm -hmm. and it's just you're just like wow what else can happen and you don't want to ask what else can happen because you think i i I think i jinxed it something else just happened (laughs) so it's just a crazy world out there right now for sure no and it's yeah it and, and I, I sometimes I just even hate bringing it up because it's just kind of like I want to talk about good things, like positive yeah. things, because, you know, we don't need more negative in the world. We need more, you know, positive vibes as much as you can muster them at this point. So. Yeah. And I feel like maybe sometimes I'm a Debbie Downer because, like, sometimes people are like, how's your day? And I'm like, it's great, except, you know, and then I start going into this thing and I have to, like, I have to stop and mindfully, like, just stop and say, stop, Sabina. Okay, you're going to have you know, you have to be the positive force here and just change. And, you know, even if this is happening to you, you can change how you view it and you can change the outcome, you know, um, by a positive energy and positive thoughts. And so then it's just like trying to, okay, oh, I'm great. You know, things are happening, but we're working through it and one day it'll be fine. Mm. Like, 
uh, am I lying to myself or is there some truth to what I'm saying? Oh, no, I go through that all the time where it's like sometimes you just have to let yourself be angry. Like, yeah. hopefully not in front of a whole crowd of people, but you never know. Um, yeah. But it's just like, because as someone who's worked on her anger issues for a very, very, very long time. Uh, <laughs> I've had them before, too, when I was younger. Yeah. That's another thing I outgrew was my anger there issues. We, yeah, see, there you go. So it, it, you just get to the point where you're like, okay, sometimes it's good to be angry. Sometimes you have to be that person for a few minutes or a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, yeah, that's right. But uh, it's just just talking about it like you're doing right now, like you know, all of us just kind of being out there and not letting our voices be subdued. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our way of resisting. Yeah, yeah. joyful resistance and just talking and you know, joyful noise. Know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and let's we'll, we can do that on a positive note because we're at the pretty much at the at the hour. So. Um, I guess what are there any um, like books or movies or TV shows or, or anything that you would recommend people like uh, watch or read to you know maybe either educate themselves on, on issues that you think are, are the most important team in your community at this point? You know um, what I would say is like follow a lot of uh, I, I really am a proponent for social media and following Muslims on social media mm-hmm. and like being careful because there are some Muslims who are um, you know, hired by white supremacists or, or organizations that uh, are, you know, Islamophobic, just, you know, uh, following people who are Muslim, um, and they usually have, like, their books, because if I, I, there's so many books out there, there's so many organizations, but, like, just following the, like, maybe, uh, I, I can't think on, to, on the top of my head, but, like, just following Muslims on social media and supporting shows that are written by Muslims, supporting books that are written by Muslims, supporting um, anything, you know, written by uh, Muslims or the marginalized so that you're not look, looking at it from an outside gaze but actually seeing the story from within and, and giving a space to other people for their, you know, on their uh, to hear their voices versus other people telling their stories. So it's just, you know, just making sure that you're, you're looking at the source versus other people telling, you know, our story for us. Like mm-hmm. even women, we don't want men telling our story. As Muslims, we don't want non-Muslims telling our story. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's basically just my two cents right there. No, it's a good two cents. (laughs) um, But so if people wish to uh, talk with you or find you online, uh, where might they go? So you can find me on Twitter at Muslima, M-U-S-L-I-M-A-H, M-O-N-T-A-G-E, Muslima Montage. Mm -hmm. Um, You could just follow me on Twitter, um, add me. And um, if you have some specific, uh, I can actually even forward you uh, a list of references that I have of Muslim women. For sure. Um, I have that actually um, on hand, and I can forward that to you, and then you can put that up. Yeah. Um, but I just don't know them off the top of my head. And you can find me on Facebook too, Muslim Montage, uh, you know, backslash Muslim Montage, and that's about it. Cool. Well, Sabina, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been... And thank you so much for having me. This is a great conversation. Excellent. I'm good. (laughs) I'm always worried. I'm always worried. Like, right before we start, it's always like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then the end of it, I'm like, this was awesome. This was awesome. This was awesome. I felt like we talked about almost everything in in an hour. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's weird, isn't it? (laughs) I know. Definitely cool. Definitely, yeah, and and you're welcome to come on any other time, you know, that you want to talk about stuff, or you just want to shoot the shit, you're more than welcome to, like, talk to you for a long time. All right, and uh, on behalf of That Girl with the Curls, uh, good night, everybody. We're ready to ride, why is you gonna be sitting there on the sidelines? On the sidelines.